Hey everybody, this is Paul. Um, happy 200th episode of I Read Comic Books. The show's really come a long way since the early days when it was just us hanging out in Mike's basement trying to figure out how to make a podcast. Um, I'm pretty amazed that the show's become what it is. I'm something I'm really proud of, uh, something I'm really happy to be a part of. I think we have an amazing group of people that get together and talk about comics every week. It's really made my comic book reading experience more enjoyable, honestly. And uh, I hope it's helped everyone who listens to the show find new comic books to read because it's definitely done that for me. So um, I just wanted to take a second here and crack open a chilled adult beverage and say cheers to you, the listeners who tune in every week, especially our Patreon supporters. You are fantastic and it amazes me that you support us the way you do. And also, of course, cheers to my co-hosts on the show, uh, Renee, Brian, Kara, Kate, Kate, Nick, Tia, and of course, Mike Rappin and Xander, who do all of the amazing heavy lifting behind the scenes. The show would not exist without them. So happy 200th episode. Here's to 200 more. Cheers. Hey, everyone. It's Kara. I just wanted to say that I am so, so grateful to each and every one of you who listen to us and share our love of comics every single week. For me, it's it, it truly is a privilege to get to speak so often about this medium that I love so much that has brought me so much joy in my life. And I feel like with speaking to the rest of you who also read comic books that uh, I get a little bit more of that in my life every single week, whether you're uh, just listening or if you're emailing us at ircb at destroythesive.org or if you're tweeting at us or following our Instagram or uh, part of our Goodreads group. It really is a wonderful community that we have here. I do, I do feel like it's a digital version of being in a local comic shop every week. And I am so thankful that Mike invited me to be on this show and for it to have reached 200 episodes with uh, this much positive support is really something that we can all be proud of. And uh, so just thank you again. And let's uh, let's get another 200 going. This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. This is the 200th episode of I Read Comic Books. I can't even believe it. I'm here this week with two fantastic human beings, Brian Murray. Hello. And Kate Lamphere. Hi. I feel like I needed to intro both of you before I started talking about how excited I am that this is the 200th episode of the show. We've we already had our like annual episode earlier this year, which is usually where we reflect back on how great of a year it was and yada yada yada. Who cares about that bullshit? Instead... We're talking about comic books, and we're talking about this brand new podcast cover that we have for the show. You may have noticed in your podcatcher that the I Read Comic Books logo is a little bit different, and that's because it is. We had a whole fan fantastic brand new cover made by the wonderful Kyle Rose. He makes a comic called The Working Stiff. You should go check that out. It's about a zombie who works in an office. It's a beautiful cover. We want to know what you think about that, so please let us know. But anyways, we're going to do all sorts of stuff today. We've got a bunch of stuff that is just going to be jam-packed into this episode. I hope you're excited. So let's get to talking about the thing we talk about every week, and that is comic books. So, Brian, how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you. I've been good. Um, whole lot of comics since I last actually made it out to the shop. Um, 
Kate and I went down for free comic book day, and I think I picked up three weeks worth of backlog. Oh, wow. So I've been chunking my way through that. My pick for the week, though, was uh, Star Wars TIE Fighter number one. That's a story by Jody Hauser with, uh, I, I'm probably going to mangle the name, uh, Roger Antonio and Michael Dowling on art, and Arif Prianto and Lee Lowridge on colors. Um, I've been a big fan of sort of like X-Wing fighter pilot type books mm-hmm. uh, ever since I was in middle school when I started reading the Michael J. Stackpole X-Wing series. Um, this book is in a similar vein where we're following these quote-unquote fighter jockeys, but this time we're following Imperial TIE pilots as opposed to Rebel X-Wing pilots. This book has some cool-looking spaceship combat, but it also has an interesting cast of characters, all of whom have their own personalities and their own motivations. Um, some of them are you know, diehard Imperial loyalists. Some are more loyal to the old Republic that became the Empire, and one of them is perhaps a rebel spy. Huh. We can't really tell yet. Um, it's enough that I'm definitely intrigued by this book, so I'm going to be picking that up going forward. There's going to be a tie-in novel coming out called Alphabet Squadron. What? And <laughs> this book actually has, this comic has a small uh, excerpt from that book in the back. So it's a, it's an interesting media crossover. Definitely. Dude, this this series sounds fantastic. What? How did this, this I mean, pun intended, I guess, how did this fly under my radar? I, I feel like I haven't <laughs> heard about this. I, I, I think that's probably due to Star Wars overload. Totally. There are so many Star Wars books coming out that in any given week, you're probably getting two or three different Star Wars books. And so it can be easy if you're looking at like previews or whatever to just sort of start skimming past the Star Wars section. Right. Yeah. Yeah. True. I mean, Jody Hauser on writing, that's, I mean, that should have caught my eye immediately. I, plus the way that you just described this book, like, <laughs> I, I'm immediately sucked into the idea of like loyalists of different levels to different like regimes. Like, that's, that's crazy. I'm sorry. This, this book made me very excited just the way you described it. Hey, Marvel, if you want me to market for you, give me a call. <laughs> cool well kate how about you how have you been how have comic books been i've been great um we went downtown for fcbd yesterday brian mentioned and i saw this gigantic recreation of the game of thrones ice dragon that was being oh, set yeah. up right behind us and it was beautiful and i was really hoping that somebody was gonna like step into it and walk around with it on <laughs> but this thing was probably eight feet long so it's best that that didn't happen yeah <laughs> Um, but the first arc of the Boom Studios Buffy wrapped up recently, so I went and read everything that I hadn't read yet, which was a great way to do things because I didn't have to mm-hmm. wait for the next issue. <laughs> so I read issues uh, two through four. This is by Jody Belair, Dan Mora, and Raul Angulo. Um, I love what they're doing with all of the old secondary characters from the show. Like All of the main characters are still who they were from the show. Buffy is still the Slayer. Giles is still the Librarian Watcher. But then you have, like, Anya. Anya's character is similar, but she's much more progressed in her original storyline, I guess. She's she's her own shopkeeper. She has this really very cool, like, maybe dark magic shop? Question mark? She's morally gray. Okay. I love it. 
Um, Drusilla's already back. I guess she was. I guess she was there in season one of the TV show, also. But she's like this mob boss mm-hmm. now, instead of being a a crazy person. Okay. <laughs> and the creators are doing a lot more with the character Xander, who I feel like wasn't used to his full potential in the show until like season maybe three or four, and he's got this narration going throughout the issues that make it kind of seem like maybe it's Buffy's internal thoughts, but then it catches up with Xander eventually and it ends on his point of view. It's just really well done and it makes you realize how well the creators um, organized and pre-planned these issues. So I'm really enjoying that and I'm really excited for the next arc. And then Angel Number Zero came with my Buffy subscription recently and I never really followed the Angel comics. I wasn't that big of a fan of the TV show by the time that it ended. Um, but this one, mm-hmm. I was really excited because it seemed like he was training a girl to fight monsters, which sounds an awful lot like our hero Buffy. And I was really excited about this like Angel's warrior like school and Los Angeles, but I don't think that they're going to go that direction from the way that the issue gotcha. ended. So I think we're back to loner angel being broody, which <laughs> is fine to read and trade from the library, but probably not something that I would that I would keep buying. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I was going to ask... How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I mean, I had a terrible free comic book day in that I was not able to find any comics because the stores that I went to, or the store that I went to, at, I went to Forbidden Planet, ran out 15 minutes before I got there. So, you know, it was a great time. Um, but otherwise, uh, things have been good. I'm uh, still catching up on Doom Patrol, and I'm actually starting to make some progress into some backlog. And yeah, but the book I want to talk about this week that I read was PTSD by a name I'm going to just butcher, so I'm just going to get it out there. Uh, Guillaume Siglin, maybe? I, it's French, so I'm sure I'm missing all the wrong forgotten f- syllables that I should be not saying. Yeah, but, half uh, those letters you're not supposed to say, and I'm not Yeah, I think sure it's like Guillaume Siglin. I don't know. I'm really bad at this. We, yeah. we apologize. <laughs> yeah, I, I vastly apologize because this book was beautiful. Um, honestly, I, I picked up this book on a whim when I was at uh, Desert Island Comics here in Brooklyn. And the cover looked fantastic. I posted a bunch of pictures about it online, like through the I Read Comic Books uh, Instagram account. Because it's it's this hollow cover where the letters PTSD are actually cut out of the hard uh, cardboard into the first page of the book. It's not like the first page of the story, but the first interior page. And it looks really, really cool. Um, and I picked it up just because it looked pretty. I feel like I had heard the guy's name before and I couldn't figure out from where. Um, in hindsight, or in, in retrospect, I realized that it was um, this character, this creator had also done a book called Mudafakas, which is like motherfuckers. And it was made into an anime in a movie that I don't know if it did very well, but I remember seeing that and just laughing at the name, but the art was really good. So anyways, I picked this book up and I was just blown away by how beautiful the art was in every single page. Like every single page is done in excruciating detail. Um, there's no, no inch or centimeter of the page is left alone. I mean, it does, it has the traditional like gutters that a comic book would have, but every single panel is just unbelievably detailed for no good reason. Like you don't need to draw the intricate exchange that's happening in the fore in the, in the back back background between like a fish dealer and some guy screaming. But you did in this panel that is like four inches by four inches. It's it's unbelievably detailed. Um, I was just 
really floored by how well done this book was just in terms of the art and the the story itself is not that complicated. It's about a, a character who comes back from, quote, the war, who is now living in the city, and the war was not really well liked by the people of the city. Location isn't necessarily important, but it's got this, it's very Japanese-influenced. It feels like a mega city that's mixed with, like, it's got mostly Japanese culture in it. Hell, it could even be in Japan. It's not really specified, um, but the, the story is about this character, uh, Jun, and she is living in the city as a homeless person along with a lot of other veterans who are back from this war, and the people of the city don't really respect them. Um, and so she's trying to survive, and she keeps having these flashbacks to the war, uh, and she's getting pills from these drug dealers in the city, and the drug dealers are really taking advantage of these veterans, and the story becomes about her trying to help the veterans of the city. She meets this woman who runs a noodle shop, and they become kind of friends. There's some interesting back and forth between them, and she starts to try to help these veterans by healing them because she learned some first aid when she was in the army. Uh, I won't spoil the whole book, but it's it's a really fun read. It's a really easy read, and the art alone is worth picking up this book. Honestly, go grab a copy of this because it's going to blow you away. Like, get it from the library and then change your mind and buy it because, holy smokes, I was just massively impressed by this book. Um, yeah, I, I really can't recommend it enough. So, that's me. I, I, I fucking love this comic. I finished it earlier today, and I was just, oh, can't believe how beautiful the art was, truly. <laughs> So let's uh you know let's move on let's talk about comics that we're excited for this upcoming week. Although it was just Free Comic Book Day and Brian and Kate, I know you guys have a bunch of free comics that you got to read. Let's talk about comics that we're excited for coming out this upcoming week. Comic books are releasing on May eighth, two thousand nineteen. What are you excited for this week? Let's start with you, Kate. So I missed the release of Firefly: The Re- Reunification War, um, the first volume put out by Boom Studios. Oh, I okay. guess it came out last week, and I somehow didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had actually asked my local comic book shop yesterday if they had any updates about it, if they if they already had it, or maybe if it was coming out that week or something. And the I talked to two people, and neither one of them knew anything about it. So I guess I'm the only one who's in on this. Anyway, I'll special order <laughs> it so that they have to have it in their shop for at yeah. least a little while. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about this. Um, I have not been following the single issues because, again, I, I like to sit down and I read, read the whole thing at once. Um, and that's how I did the original series by Dark Horse. I figured I'd kind of follow that same um, pattern. And if you have somehow not heard of Firefly, it was a one-season futuristic space western TV show mm-hmm. um, that was continued into comics, and it was taken over by a different publisher, and I love Boom Studios' work. Um, I, I don't think I've ever read anything by them that I didn't like, so I'm just really excited to see what they do. Um, they're actually telling a backstory in this first arc, I, I think. Oh, dope. So I'm... I'm ready for that (laughs) i mean kate i'm glad to know that there are people out there still championing the firefly name and they want to read comics and stuff about it because i feel like a lot of people fell off the boat but i know you're a true fan because you're still dedicated what 10 years later or 12 years later (laughs) i'm mad that i missed it yeah (laughs) yeah exactly exactly (laughs) cool uh well brian what about you what are you excited for this week uh coming out this week we have dr afro number 32 um, number 31 just wrapped up the arc where Afra and Triple Zero have bombs in their brains that are going to go off if they get more than like 20 <laughs> meters away from each other. Um, why? Why? <laughs> I mean, I need to read Dr. Afra, I guess. So it's, but... <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Dr. 
Evazen or whatever his name is, the squished up faced guy from yes. from A New Hope. Yeah, he mm-hmm. uh, he like found them knocked out. Or no, it was uh, they they were on a. You know what? It's a whole big long thing. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I just yeah. I'm laughing at the idea because why not put bombs in their heads, yeah. right? So anyway, the <laughs> the bombs are disabled now. Hooray! But we ended on a real cliffhanger, and I don't know how them Duke boys are going to get out of this one. <laughs> so I'm I'm excited to see. You know the I've seen the the cover for the next issue is Afra opening what looks like a treasure chest with like gl- gold light coming out of it. So mm-hmm. it reminds me most of like when you'd open a chest in Zelda. Oh, okay. Okay. So it, it, it looks like we're, it looks like Afra might, might be getting back to her old space archaeologist stuff, which is what sold me on this book to begin with. So I'm kind of excited to see that coming back to the forefront a little bit. And this is still a uh, size Spurrier on this book. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Uh, well, for me this week, I am excited for a new number one called Excellence uh, by Brandon Thomas, Carrie Randolph, with colors by Emilio Lopez and letters by Darren Bennett. And the story of the synopsis that I saw earlier, I, I never heard of this book until today, was Spencer Dales was born into a world of magic. His father belongs to the Aegis, a secret society of black magicians ordered by their unseen masters to better the lives of others or higher potential, but never themselves. And I'm right there for that. I'm all for fantasy. And apparently, our main character, Spencer, he doesn't really agree with this. So he's going to rebel. And I'm all for that. I love love this fantasy garbage. Image, Image, for some reason, is able to really just sell me on their fantasy books. I don't know what it is, but I've had really good luck so far. So I'm willing to keep trying. And quite honestly, I could have picked Black Hammer or an X-Force book to talk about this week, but let's talk about something new, okay? This sounds really dope. I'm really excited for it. I mean, the art for this book, like Carrie Randolph's art looks really good. The cover's beautiful. Um, I, I just, I love glowing runes. You can basically put glowing runes on a cover and you'll <laughs> suck me right in. So um, I'm totally on board for this book. Yeah, much like a magpie. If there's something something shiny, Mike is going to go for <laughs> yeah, it. exactly. And if it's cryptic too, yeah, yeah. just count me right in. Cool. Well, we're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Box Brown and Lucy Nisley. We did two interviews at C2E2 that we never aired, and so we're going to put those here in the middle, and then after that, we're going to talk about Free Comic Book Day. So we'll be back in one second. Hey everybody, this is Paul from I Read Comic Books uh, here at C2E2 talking to Lucy Nisley. Yep. Correct. Yes, nicely Nisley, it's fine. <laughs> so the thing is, um, on our website we have a comic book creator pronunciation guide, so, so uh, if there's a preferred pronunciation of your name, we can put it on there. Sure, okay, nicely is usually good, yeah. Okay, make a note of that, nicely. Uh, so you are here, you just got out of a signing, and your schedule here at C2E2 is jam-packed, so... Yes, uh, this is what happens when you only have one day to do a convention. <laughs> um, they they schedule the heck out of you. And also, you have a brand new book and a uh, you know a, a young, very young son to deal with too. So, yes, yeah, I have an almost three-year-old son. I have a book that has just come out that is about his uh, his origin story. <laughs> Excellent. Every hero needs an origin story, so this is his. Yes, this is his comic book origin story. I love it. Um, so that just came out. Uh, for people that don't know about your style, you know, I've read some of your books. It's very, um, 
not autobiographical, I'm like a graphic diary of sorts. Is that how you describe it for people that maybe haven't read your stuff? Sure. Uh, it's usually classified as a uh, graphic memoir. Um, I feel like the autobiographical comics thing suffers from lack of distinction in a lot of cases. So I think diary comics are more along the lines of what like James Kachalka does or did, I suppose. Um, now he's doing more fictional stuff, but uh, like American Elf. And then uh, like memoir is more it was told in the larger context of the life. And then uh, and then there's also sort of like you know travel comics and and journalism comics that can venture into autobiographical territory and stuff. So there's there's lots of like subcategories, but I, I think that most of my work is classified as graphic memoir. That makes sense. And you know, I've read um, Age of License was about you in your twenties going to Europe to kind of find yourself, and then you did Displacement, which is about you going on a cruise with the elder grandparents, which is a fantastic book. And now you have a book about you raising a uh, your your son. It's almost like, do you think of those books as sort of being of a piece about different age, steps in the aging process, maybe? Or am I reading too much into that? Uh, that, that sounds about right. Definitely, uh, An Age of License and Displacement are partnered books, uh, which were both books that I did in my kind of mid to late 20s, and they're really about that period of your life where you're kind of coming into adulthood. Uh, now, of course, adolescence lasts until age 30. So, you know, this is, we're all going through this. And, um, and yeah, I, I have a book, uh, Relish, which is more about my childhood and uh, something new, which is about the process of getting married and this kind of consumerist hellscape of the world. And the, now this one is just about um, becoming a parent and also the history of reproductive health and what that's all about. Fascinating. So that's available now through First Second, right? Correct. And then uh, you're doing a tour for that book too, right? Is this the end of the tour or where are we in the uh, tour for that? Well, you know, tours are kind of ongoing, but um, I, did a, I did a tour uh, that was like only, only about a week long and I hit a different city every day for like seven days and now I'm doing more uh, convention stuff. So I'm, I'm going to TCAF in a couple months. I'm doing cake here in Chicago. Um, I'm doing SPX, that sort of thing. So now it's kind of spread out a little bit. So my big question about, you know, having a young son, making comics, has that been a big change? Obviously in your, your daily routine, but as far as being a creator, how has that changed your creative process, your work schedule in that regard? I found that when you're paying for the privilege of working, <laughs> it makes you sort of appreciate working a lot more. Uh, for me, you I got really productive in the time that I had to spend on working. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, we have a wonderful nanny who came and she would be in the house with me because I was breastfeeding, so I needed to kind of be there. And I work from home, which is great. But the problem with working from home is that you frequently sort of wander into the kitchen and, oh, what's in the fridge? What's over here? Oh, I need a, I did something. I should take a break kind of thing. But um, my nanny is also an artist, so I felt like I had this kind of responsibility to be in my office for the allotted period of time that I was employing her to watch my child. So, um, so I would be in my office and it really upped my productivity level because I couldn't just wander around sort of like lying down on various couches in my house. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's been great. And, you know, it really makes me appreciate my time. You know, the, I read something that was like, the only thing I like better than spending time with my kid is not spending time with my kid. And, <laughs> and that's so true where, you, you know, if you, you get to spend a good amount of time with your kid and you, then you get to spend a good of time, amount of time with your work, you really start to appreciate both a lot more. So have you, um, has your son started reading comics yet or is it too early for that? Does he have a favorite superhero already? 
Uh, we just we went to go see Spider Verse together in theaters. Um, the way that I see movies now is I wait for like months after it's come out, and then I go to a second run theater at like 11 a.m. on a weekday with my kid, and that's how we watch movies now. So, um, so we got to finally see Spider Verse together, and he like blew his little mind, and he's amazing, and he's been asking all these questions that are like, you know, is Peter Parker Spider Man in real life? And it's like, how do I explain the difference between like real life and this? Because there is like uh, I don't know. And plus, he's been brought to comic conventions like this his whole life since he was in utero. And so now he's the lines are blurring, I think, between reality and comics. Um, so Spider-Man is his current interest at the moment. Um, but he's also really into Miyazaki. We showed him uh, like Totoro pretty early on and he got super, super into that. And that's what he wanted to be for Halloween. We made him a, like a cat bus push car, which is pretty amazing. And um, <laughs> So, yeah, I'm, I'm slowly indoctrinating him into my world. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, Spider-Man, I seem that's a pretty universal favorite for a lot of kids, so that's a good one to start with. So you did uh, Relish, which you mentioned, and then I know you also did French Milk, so you're a bit of a foodie, it seems. Do you have any favorite dishes or spots here in Chicago to, that you frequent or could recommend? You don't have to, you don't have to talk about pizza. <laughs> it could be something else. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm from New York originally, so of course I have my New York bias about pizza and Chicago. It's, it's a problem in my marriage, you know. It's, it's a problem. He's from here, I'm from there, and like we can't agree on pizza. We just don't eat it anymore. So, um, uh, I'm from Detroit, so I have the third option, so Detroit pizza is clearly the best, so sorry. <laughs> we do live right near Roots Pizzeria, which is it's very good. They have they have a good taco pizza, which I know sounds like a horrible crime against nature, but it's it's actually very good. Um, and then, uh, let's see, I have a lot of places that I love to eat in Chicago. One of my favorites is a place called Spinning Jay that I don't like telling people about, but here here I am telling people about it. Um, it's just this like really, okay, all right, good, good. Nobody listen to me. It's terrible. No, it's this really lovely little cafe. Um, in kind of an obscure area of town and just really really good uh they have a really amazing i'm not even a vegetarian but they have a really amazing vegetarian reuben with beets that's so good uh so i go there that's my like treat place that i like to go and they have a really good toy store across the street called peach fuzz which is founded on this principle of like non-gendered toys and books for children so i take my son there a lot and uh and so we we make a day of it which is very nice um but if i you know the people are like oh Chicago pizza I think the Chicago hot dogs are so far superior to the Chicago pizza so if you're gonna come and like eat a typical Chicago food Chicago hot dogs way way better it, you get basically get like a salad on top of your hot dog but tomatoes on a hot dog I've got an issue with that but okay that, that's <laughs> fine um, so where can people find you online if you want to find out more about your stuff and more importantly buy your books my website is my name, LucyNisley.com, or you can, if you're worried about the spelling, because there's this weird silent K, you can just go to StopPayingAttention.com and it'll route you straight there. Um, anything else you want to tell the listeners? I know I kind of ran through a lot of questions, but and you've got a busy schedule too. So anything else? I, I, I think we kind of touched all the bases I had. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I. Here's one. Okay. I noticed, because uh, I follow you on Instagram, and uh, I noticed for a long time you were being primarily black and white sketches that you were posting. More recently, you posted color stuff, and I wonder if that's a difference in uh, your you know, time you're spending on stuff or a change in technology or art style. So I keep a sketchbook seasonally, uh, and it helps me kind of keep track of work and, and, and keeps 
sketches for future books, that sort of thing. And I post them on Instagram. And in the past, my Instagram was kind of just like, you know, I take a phone picture of my sketch and throw it up there along with like a picture of my kid, kind of a picture of my cat. And uh, over the last couple of years, that's changed drastically. My Instagram that started out just been like, for me, um, now has a following of like over seven, 70,000 people. <laughs> so I'm like, ah. Um, so now I feel like I sort of need to pay more attention to that now. And I'm trying to uh, to be better because what I do with, with my professional archiving process is I draw in a sketchbook until it gets too heavy to carry around with me and then I stick it in a drawer and that's the end of that. <laughs> so now I'm trying to be better about like scanning them and um, I've been doing a little bit of more color work on my sketchbook work because it's scanned, I might as well, and I'm doing like the bare minimum of color. Sure, that's, you know, at least it's scanned, it's archived, it's not gonna burn up in a house fire, that sort of thing. You know, it's interesting too that when you post, sometimes when you post off on Instagram, there'll be a series of images you scroll through, and it's almost like an update of the daily, like, newspaper, you know, comic book or comic uh, strip. Do you think that's like a change in technology? Maybe that's something you could adapt to maybe doing stories that way, or? I hope so. I actually really enjoy the Instagram format because it limits me to 10 panels first of all um, so I can't go crazy and you're not like scrolling forever and that's a that's kind of a nice constriction on my work and then I really love being able to kind of go from panel to panel like that where you the last panel is gone you know you you read it you took it in it's gone now you're on to the next one now you're on to the next one and um, it helps me I'm I'm a reader of comics that likes to be able to focus and spend my time on each panel but when you have a whole page laid out in front of you sometimes it's hard you're looking all over the place you're trying to find themes and stuff and as an artist it's really nice to just sort of have like this great storytelling tool in Instagram and I know that that's like you know Instagram's owned by Facebook and they're all horrible and it's it's all horrifying and they're all gonna like you know take my intellectual property and it's gonna shut down and then I'm gonna lose my whole followership so it's like who knows? But I'm taking advantage of this format. I really enjoy it right now. And uh, it's been a pleasant surprise to gain so many new readers through this platform that isn't designed for comics and find all these people that aren't necessarily comics readers who attach themselves to my work. And it's super cool. Yeah, yeah. In terms of marketing and, you know, putting yourself out there, it's, I think it's a fantastic tool. You can see that, that development there. But um, so you mentioned a few other creators that you'd categorize as doing memoirs or autobiographical stuff. Is there anyone in particular that inspired you directly to start doing that? Um, I grew up reading uh, Lynn Johnston's For Better or For Worse, which is uh, this wonderful strip, of course. And it's not directly autobiographical, but it's based on her life. And it was so... Uh, life-changing for me to read these books and to sort of recognize that stories could be told in this way in a, a format that is so appealing to me and by a woman about just her everyday life. So she was a big influence on me. I read a lot of Calvin and Hobbes. I was an imaginative kid and I saw myself in Calvin very easily and uh, so those were the things that really got me into it at the beginning. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like Calvin and Hobbes was a gateway drug for a lot of comic book fans, especially of, of my age. That was like the first thing you were attracted to on the comic books page or the comic newspaper page because it looks so different from everything else, right? Yeah, Bill Watterson should be canonized in the comics religion. <laughs> yeah, fortunately he doesn't do any conventions or anything. He's kind of a recluse, but... No, I, I understand that fully. <laughs> he would be mobbed. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. He'd be a... Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so... Anything else? So you'll be here at the con for one day, you said? This is it? I may, if I can convince my partner to come with me on Sunday, 
I made him come last year with our son, who at the time was not quite two. Now he's not quite three. And um, they had a bad experience where I was at a signing and my son ran into the female cosplayer changing area. <laughs> and my, my partner was like, help me, my child is gone. So uh, he might be scarred for life on CTV2, we'll see. But I would really love to take him here. My, uh, my son, obsessed with Totoro, got the cat bus thing. And I was like, oh man, this is, we had it on Halloween. Nobody knew what it was. It was like totally over the heads of everybody and nobody like recognized it. There were like three people that were like, cat bus. Um, but I was like, this is the place for Kappa. So if I can convince my partner to come back, we will bring my kid in his baby Totoro costume in the Kappa. It'd be adorable. And you can tell him that there'd be more Spider-Man here than he can handle, right? Oh, that's true. Oh, that might be, that might be the deciding factor. <laughs> oh, great. Lucy, thanks so much for talking to us. Uh, hopefully everyone that's listening will check out your stuff. Uh, what is your Instagram again so they can find it? Uh, just my name, Lucy Nisley, L-U-C-Y-K-N-I-S-L-E-Y, Instagram. I highly recommend checking it out. It's great stuff. So thank you so much for chatting with us, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day here at the con. Thank you so much. You too. So what did you guys think of that? I mean, I know we were in C2E2 a couple weeks back, and this is a little late, but I mean, talking to Lucy was pretty solid, right? Yeah. I checked out her website real quick. I haven't, I don't, I still don't have an Instagram for some strange reason. Um, That's okay. Resist. <laughs> um, so I just went on our website and I quickly read um, one or two of her comics that are posted on there. And I, I really like her style. It's kind of a, um, a cute, um, I almost want to say like it's a Sarah Scribbles type like commentary on life slash a little bit autobiographical with, um, a little bit more, more in the way of the art, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but a similar story type. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I might, I might have to check out um, more of her work. Yeah. What was the term she used in the interview? Graphic memoir? Yeah. Graphic oh, memoir. Yeah. I thought that yeah. was a really cool distinction between this particular kind of unautobiographical story versus kind of autobio in general. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was sitting there with Paul while we were recording, so I've heard all this before, but I, I mean, I think it was, like, her her comics are really interesting, like, I've I've only read a little bit of her most recent book, uh, Kid Gloves, and I, I know that Paul has talked up her stuff on multiple episodes, like, I think for the longest time, Paul was like, oh yeah, this is the kind of, like, autobio stuff that I like, um, and he turned me on to this, and he turned me on, or her book Relish, and he also turned me on to Box Brown, and I got, you know, super into Box Brown, but, um... I mean, Lucy, she seems, I mean, she was the most down-to-earth person uh, when we when we met her in the con. It was it was a very interesting uh, moment where we were like, okay, shit, we can't record in a room, so we're going to just record out here on the show floor. But it was it was really cool. Like, to hear her talk about the way that she uses Instagram, like, floored me. And it was so funny because I think the next day, I, like, on the IRCB Instagram account, I followed some random artist that was, like, recommended to me. And it turns out that's what their whole account is, is just posting comics in the Instagram format. And I was like, oh, holy crap, this might actually become a bigger thing um, if more and more artists are doing this. Um, and I didn't realize that more people or people were actually doing it. So it's, it's really cool to hear her talk about that, to say, like, I'm going to use this platform to its maximum capacity to kind of make it into its own comic thing because it's like it's like webtoon but it's the exact opposite <laughs> in that it's horizontal scrolling versus infinite vertical scrolling yeah i i happened to read um a comic about her growing a person which is very yeah. funny because yeah. considering that the um 
the interview, she she mentioned her son quite a lot. So if you have a chance, get on there and read the I'm Making a New Human comic mm-hmm. from her because it's very good. It's about her having been drawing herself in the 90s sitcom pregnant at- actress way where she's always holding a cat or in a blanket up uh, until right. that point, up until this comic where I, where I assume is where she's announcing that she's been pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just about how it, it's changing her like self-awareness and who, who she how she thinks of herself and researching how to how to raise a child and how it's affecting her ability to travel um, and so on. It was, it was really funny um, and really insightful and, and good. It's, it was well done. Totally. Yeah, I definitely, I, when she was talking about working from home, I definitely felt that pretty close to my heart. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I'm working from home. So... I can just uh, fuck off for a minute. <laughs> Let's go I mean, eat is, some more. That's, that's yeah, what yeah, I need. A, yeah, having snacks constantly at your ready that you've purchased and you know are available in your fridge or cupboard is problematic sometimes when you're working at home. I get that yeah. feeling as well. I'm all like, like, oh, fuck, I'm listening to this podcast. I haven't actually done anything in 20 minutes. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it was really interesting that she she mentioned, you know, that the person that she had working in her home, like as a nanny, was also an up and coming artist. I'm like, mm-hmm. what an interesting way to pair those two very, very unrelated things together. Like, what are the chances you're going to find a nanny who's also an artist, like up and coming comics artist like that? So I, I wonder if there was some tutelage going on there to say, like, OK, here's how you, you know, here's how I do my work and, and it may, may work for you or maybe it won't. Um, as well as also uh, my kid needs to be fed. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just the, the peer pressure of like having somebody who understands what your job looks like and who will know if you're not doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Should probably be working in the office more. Yeah. I get that. I, I really, I thought that was a really interesting thing. I mean, um, it, it was really nice to talk to her when we were there. I think like, um, I mean, some of my favorite parts of the con are always talking to creators in general, but like to actually get them on microphone to talk to us a bit was was really pleasing. So yeah, I mean, any any other final thoughts about this interview? Uh, thanks to Paul for recording it. Yeah, yeah, Paul and, was... uh, and for repping Detroit style pizza. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was I was hoping he was going to plug Jets at some point, but well, another time, another time. Hey, this is Paul again here at C2E2 Live and Artist Alley talking to one of our favorites here on the podcast, Box Brown. Box, you're here at C2E2 to uh, basically talk about your brand new book, which is just coming out, right? Yes, it's called Cannabis, the Illegalization of Weed in America. (laughs) So interesting topic. Uh, You know, we love your books about Andre the Giant and Andy Kaufman. You also did a book about Tetris. Those seem like uh, topics that required a lot of research. I'm assuming this was a similar project, a lot of in-depth, maybe first-hand research as well. Yeah, well, a lot of first-hand research. Uh, <laughs> the, um, yeah, I mean, like, this is one thing that was, like, super important to me. Um, I think that, like, in this age we're living in now, like, I mean, I hear a story about marijuana, cannabis, like, on the radio, like, every day. Um, and I think a lot of people don't have any idea what they're even really talking about when they talk about cannabis or like why it was illegal in the first place or like should it become legal now who knows people are pretty ill-informed on it um and uh, a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's been maligned uh unfairly uh using government propaganda for 83 years so um my book aims to like shed light on the story which is absurd 
like reading, doing research was just like coming up with more, finding more and more absurd things that happened in this history. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I think it's similar to your book on Tetris, where it probably required a lot of in-depth research, whereas your books about Andy Kaufman and Onto the Giant, there's a lot of fact and myth involved with that. Did you have to kind of, you know, kind of do a lot of, um, you know, sifting out of what's reputable sources or not? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, especially with uh, with pro wrestling, it's it's hard because the, the first person sources are often unreliable because... You can't really trust a lot of what wrestlers say, depending on the context of where and when they're saying it. Um, the cannabis book, like, there's a lot of different misinformation. There's a lot of... Uh, so, I mean, you have to really understand what per person's objective is. Um, you know, bad research gets cited all the time by uh, anti-cannabis activists, who I found at, at this point... Um, pretty much the only anti-cannabis people are uh, people who are being paid to be anti-cannabis. Like in PA, like you, the only people you see speaking out against legalization are government officials who are being paid to speak out against legalization by a lobbying group, often funded by re big rehab is a big one, and um, uh, police unions. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm from Michigan, and I've obviously it just, you know, was legalized there, and it's pretty popular among the people. Yeah. So are we trying to make a sale here? Should we uh, live on the podcast selling books? <laughs> yeah, we, we're here, like, like I said, right in Artist Alley. He's trying to do business, but... Uh, so, you know, um, someone's reading your Tetris book right now. We're big fans of that book, that book here on the show. One thing I had a question about, that book, your use of color in that book, and a lot of the other stuff I've seen of your work, you only use maybe one or two other colors. Is that uh, a purely financial choice, or is that an aesthetic choice as well? I think it, when I started doing stuff with just one color, it was a financial choice. For Like when I was self-publishing, for sure. Like uh, You could go, there's options with full color when you're self-publishing, but you have to go digital publishing. Uh, if you are, if only do one color, you can do you can often do offset it's not as expensive so I think that's where the aesthetic came from um, but often I think that uh, for me I like to use only one color because I'm only interested in presenting adding new information to the drawing I feel like a lot of times if you do like a completely full color thing where the sky is blue the, the grass is green like you already know that the sky is supposed to be blue and the grass is supposed to be green like if it's not really adding anything extra to the drawing, so I don't know, that's my my philosophy anyway. He's selling a copy of Tetris right now as we record. It's pretty. It, it's pretty honest. It's pretty awesome to say the least. We'll just say that. <laughs> uh, so we just made a sale. Sold a copy of Tetris. So uh, speaking of color, though, what I thought was interesting about Tetris, um, you used yellow. And as someone that only, the only gaming system I owned as a kid was the original Game Boy. Was you trying to emulate that screen color of the black and the uh, weird, like, putrid yellow? Yeah, uh, not really. But the, the, the uh, that would have gone with, like, a more, like, greenish, you know, like, grossness. I kind of wanted this, I, I thought that yellow would shine in a way that the, like, video games kind of, like, shine. That they're light, you know what I mean? Like, they glow off the screen. So I kind of wanted to, it to have that feel. And I also kind of was just using yellow as a placeholder color and uh, as like it was eventually going to be in black and white. Okay. But then I just liked the yellow yeah. and so we just kept it. Yeah, 
think it looks great. Um, so in addition to your new book, Cannabis, you also have a Patreon where you're posting original like web comics. Maybe you want to tell the listeners about that, where they can find that and what you're doing over there? Okay, so yeah, my Patreon is Patreon Box Brown. I basically just post um, stuff that I'm working on. For a long time, um, I was posting uh, updates to my this comic, Child Star, um, which uh, will be coming out next year from first second. Um, I think I just broke news by accident, but uh, <laughs> exclusive here on I read comic books. Um, it is a, um, it's about a, um, it's a fictional story. So it's like technically my first graphic novel, um, and it's about a, a child actor who came about, came came uh, became popular in the 1980s. Okay. Okay. So it reminds me of you know another book of yours that I've read was Power Man, which seemed like a similar. It's a fictional story, but it's very clearly based on a real person. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's kind of uh, multiple character, multiple, uh, like based on multiple child actors. Um, Macaulay Culkin uh, and Gary Coleman are like the two most. But then also like, just so many. There's. There's so I did research into so many child actors and like the, all their stories are the same. Like going back to like the 30s, even like there's a child actress they interviewed in like the 1980s who was like an enormous child star in the 1940s, and like her story is the same as every other child actor. Like it just they age out at, at some point, uh, and they were abused by their parents. Like their parents, like not it's not all abuse, obviously, but there's a lot of. It's all the stories are all very similar. So it's a way of maybe doing a biography without being super specific, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I wanted to make stuff up also, but also um, make assumptions maybe about like inner workings of stories where you didn't really get the whole story um, without ma- making any ob- you know, uh, allegations or anything like that. You know. Yeah. No. No uh, speculation in that regard. Yeah. Uh, so we have some uh, sketches you're doing here at the con. You'll draw any uh, strain of cannabis people enjoy for 20 bucks. You'll do any wrestler sketch for $20. I have a fantastic Daniel Bryan sketch you did for me a while back. Um, so as a noted wrestling fan, I have to ask, who is your favorite wrestler from Chicago? Oh, well, uh, I mean, shoot from Chicago because, like, the Road Warriors, uh, they were, they were uh, not really from Chicago. It could be kayfabe. You don't have to. Kayfabe, okay. Um, well, you know, I have to, uh, the, the wrestler most associated with Chicago right now is CM Punk. Um, I have to give CM Punk credit because, like, I was, I, like, stopped rest, watching wrestling entirely until from, like, 2001 to 2008, probably. And when I decided to come back in, Punk was, like, the hottest thing going and, like, the best, like, by far. So I'm a big fan of CM Punk. But if I had a list of everybody from Chicago, I might pick somebody <laughs> else, but... Yeah, so my first thought was the Ward Warriors too, but it's like, where do you draw the line there? Um, I think Colt Cabana's here too, and CM Punk is here at the convention. Colt Cabana too, I mean, he's great. Uh, so, where can people find more of yourself? When will people be able to buy the cannabis, more importantly? So, cannabis will be out April 2nd. There are some copies here at the first second booth. Um, and uh, you can find more of my work uh, at boxbrown.com and uh, Twitter and Instagram, boxbrown. One last question. I recently finally watched the Andre the Giant documentary that ESPN did. What were your thoughts on that since you also did a, you know, a fantastic biography of him yourself? I liked it. I mean, I thought it was very WWE-centric. So, like, I, I know why they did it, like all the parts with Hulk Hogan. But also, 
I'm pretty sure he was lying hardcore, like in the interview. Like he said, he produced like notes that he had at like they were supposed to be contemporaneous notes. Like there's not a chance those were a real thing. Uh, Hulk Hogan's lying. Go figure, right? I mean, like if I was making the interview, if I was making the documentary, I don't know if I would have. I mean, I probably would have interviewed Hogan, but not made him the focal point the way they did. Um, Cause he's like the least, like the least, the biggest like liar like, in wrestling, like. Which is saying a lot, we really, yeah. I mean, like he, especially if it's about a story about him, I mean, like he's gonna lie the most, like and exaggerate the most. I mean, he's kind of like the Donald Trump of pro wrestling. Yeah, I think you make an argument that Vince McMahon and Donald Trump might be the same person, but I could see Hulk Hogan there too. <laughs> um, I guess I said that was my final question, but I got one more. Anything you've read recently that you want to maybe get a shout out to? Oh yeah, I got. Some, what did I get recently that I really was? I just read. I like just read something. Fuck. You're on the spot. Sorry. Just well, the last Oliver Schrowen book was really good uh, from Fanographics. It's like a I forget what it's even called. Parallel Lives, I think it's called. So I have that sitting on my table. I've read some of that, but I recently got bought something that I can't remember off the top of my head. It was fantastic. We'll take your word for it. It was great. So, so uh, thanks, bro. Uh, thanks, Box, for talking to us. We appreciate it. We're big fans of yourself on the show. We're very excited and can't wait to read cannabis. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me, guys. So there we have it. Paul was speaking with Box Brown. I mean, it was actually really cool to chat with him. We talked to him a little bit after we did the recording, and you can hear me laughing very loudly in the <laughs> background in some pieces. But what did you guys think? What did you think about the conversation with Box? I met him at C2E2. I stopped by and bought his other book, Tetris, The Games People Play. And I talked to him not too long after you guys talked to him, after you interviewed with him. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm with IRCB. And he didn't seem to get that it was the same like i was oh, with yeah. the same people i was like no but i'm cool though that's okay that's okay <laughs> um but yeah he was really friendly in person and i know that everyone at, in the goodreads group has been really excited to read tetris or at least that's how it seems i'm excited to read tetris so it was kind of fun hearing i always like hearing from creators so even though it was for a different work than the, the work that i was excited for it's still nice mm-hmm. to hear about some like the way that people come up um, with their research or the things that they um, they you know think about to write about. Totally. Yeah, I'm honestly just surprised that it took Paul that long to get into wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We we definitely talked beforehand about like, okay, what are you going to ask him about wrestling? Because we knew that he yeah. was a pretty big wrestling buff. Yeah, you know? of course. But yeah, it was it was really cool. There was a moment in there where Paul asked if they were trying to make a sale, and. I realize now that he was asking because somebody was trying to buy something from the booth. But given that Paul <laughs> came from talking about like, yeah, marijuana is legal in Michigan now and everybody's really excited about it. And are we trying to make a sale? I was like, is Paul trying to buy weed from Box Brown on the podcast? <laughs> oh, you know what? That's that's <laughs> that's great. Uh, I definitely didn't hear that, but that's <laughs> that's that's where my head's at, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I grabbed that book from the first second booth at the convention, even though I had, had it pre-ordered at Amazon. I like canceled my Amazon pre-order and uh, I read it like almost immediately after we came back. I know I talked about it on the show, but holy smokes, that book is very good. Like <laughs> it's, <laughs> holy yeah, sorry. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it's and it's not about like, it's not about like stoner culture. It's not about like all the things you would probably think about when you're thinking about talking about pot, but um, or you know talking about cannabis or weed, whatever you want to call it. It's a really well done like historical understanding of like why marijuana is treated the way that it is in the United States. And I think you know Box Brown, if you follow him on Instagram or anything like that, you know he he smokes a lot of pot or he's very big on you know smoking marijuana. But um, it's not like in the same way that you would probably think about, at least growing up in Midwest America, you think about the stoners and the druggies or whatever, and they're kind of burnouts. But I, I think he did a really good job of approaching where marijuana comes from culturally to say, like, it's not just this thing people use to just get high and lay about. It's like, it's, you know, can't comes from India and yada, yada, yada. Like, you, you, if you read the comic, it provides a really interesting perspective that is something that I'd never heard of before, and I was really impressed by the book. So I'm recommending that you guys go read it if you get a chance. It's it's yeah. a pretty solid comic. I mean, his work is is very impressive in general. So um, I may be biased because I just love his work. It's no like you're saying. It's definitely a perspective that doesn't really get touched on as much as you might like. Mm-hmm. It was probably really good timing, um, considering the recent legalization, at least in Michigan, and how yeah. it's been this whole na- had this whole national platform in the U.S. recently. So. Having more information out there is always a good thing. And then using the graphic novel medium, to me, seems like a great idea, at least. I've gotten more into nonfiction comics than I ever thought I would. So Mm -hmm. this is just another addition to that that genre for something that we need right now. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I wanted to bring up was um, his discussion about how he uses very minimal color. Um, because I, I did notice that about his books, and I never really thought about it more than just like, oh, this is a stylistic thing. Um, but to hear about the idea of him wanting to print physical books and how it would like change the way he approached things um, was really interesting to hear because I didn't realize that that was a thing at all. <laughs> like I thought it was you print in color or you print in black and white and that's it. But using w- two colors is actually more of a possible um, yeah. thing or using one single color on top of black and white is really interesting. I do that at work. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Of course, Kate, you know a little bit efficient. about that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it's a really interesting design choice. I think he did the same thing in Tetris um, using just two colors. And mm-hmm. I think it, it definitely takes some pre-planning, of course. You have to design your files that way and, and start them that way from the very beginning of your project. But mm-hmm. I think it makes it um, really nice. It's still kind of this simple art style. I mean, I haven't read his books in general, but two color books, I think, are they do like a, a more simple kind of black and white art, but then they add this extra splash of color to enhance mm-hmm. certain things or to bring your attention to, to certain things that you, you, um, even, even in comparison to a full, uh, com- a color book, um, full color or four color book, um, you can do different things with less i mean it's it's more minimalistic but it's still um really visually appealing yeah well i'm I'm glad we got to check out these interviews finally because i i'm like in my head about all of these but i'm glad that you guys got got something out about got something out of these interviews as well because you know it's fun stuff i i wish that we interviewed more creators and i hope at the next convention that we go to we definitely do more because this is it's a really stressful thing in the moment but i reflecting back on this it's like a, it was a really really good thing that we did For our show this week, we are talking about Free Comic Book Day that happened on May 4th, 
2019, I'm not going to make a May the 4th joke because that would be disingenuous. This is not a Star Wars podcast. Kate and Brian, you guys actually went out and got comic books on free comic book day. I couldn't, despite trying to go to a shop that should have had them. Free Forbidden Planet, I mean, I got there late. I didn't get up at like 6 in the morning to go travel throughout New York. I'm not a crazy person. I don't get up that early. I don't know what you guys did, but you managed to go get some comic books. So let's talk about it. Tell me about your experience in getting free comic books on free comic book day. Uh, well, Brian and I got up at, was it 7 o'clock in the morning? And... Oh, God, I'm well, sorry. Brian got up at 7 <laughs> hey, o'clock in the morning. Hey, I was... Okay, okay. <laughs> I was close. <laughs> Brian got up and made breakfast, and then... Yeah, and then there was up. food, and a good reason to get up. Anyway, so uh, mm-hmm. so we went down to the Vault of Midnight and downtown Grand Rapids, and we got there early because in years past, we have tried to go, and the line has been around the block, and neither one of us are into that. So <laughs> we wanted to make sure that we got there where you could actually see the storefront while we waited for it to open. And as I said, there was a giant ice dragon being um, put together behind us, as well as a whole lot of other cosplay. Mm -hmm. There was a White Walker. There was a couple of girls in like Spider-Gwen and Spider-Woman outfits. There was kids running around um, with like Star Wars cosplay and Spider-Man cosplay on. It was it was really great to see how into this people have gotten, um, at least at Vault. The dragon was put up by a local crafting and cosplay group called House of a Thousand Glue Sticks. So oh, cool. Shout out to them. Those those folks do good work. Yeah, and there was this whole setup outside. I, I was unclear if it was a discount tent or if they were just trying to get more of their products out and visible with the people who were waiting in line. But there was a whole like little shop outside. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the local creators, um, Comfort Love and Adam Withers. They had um, they were set up there, and I really like... I pretty much own all of their comics, so I had nothing mm-hmm. new to buy from them, unfortunately. But it was really great to see them there um, as an established um, like artists in the community showing up to like even these little events. <clears throat> that was really nice. And then, I mean, free comic book day is a big deal. I don't. I wouldn't call well, it a little event. I mean, Vault of Midnight, from my understanding, in Grand Rapids. I mean, I'm sorry, we're doing some Grand Rapids specific chats here this guy this week. Sorry, guys, but I mean, they're they're pretty big deal as far as like the nerd culture is concerned, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, they've got three shops across the state at this point, yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I just meant that it wasn't like a Comic-Con. There, was, there weren't any other artists there that I saw. It was just them, so that was pretty nice. Um, but gotcha. I've, I've gotcha. supported them for, for a long time, so anything that they're at, I'm just really into. They went to C2E2. They go to all of the, the cons here in Grand Rapids. Anyway, <laughs> so moving on to how the shop was. I was really impressed with how organized they were, and I don't know if they had to figure this out from like bad experiences or if they just kind of intuited what was going to work the first time that they tried to do this, but it's not a very large shop. So they basically had a line going along kind of their single issue outside wall, and then it looped around. You got to the free comic books in the back where they usually have the, the new release single issues. And then you, you could go pretty much meander through the rest of the store back to the front to check out. And then they had a couple of people that would like count however many people were going by. And they'd say, okay, stop here. Let them get through. And then allow the next however many people once once it cleared out a little bit. So it was, it was gotcha. not chaotic i was i was concerned that i would be 
overwhelmed, <laughs> but it but it wasn't bad at right. all in that way. So when you actually got into the shop, it wasn't like body to body or anything like that because they were trying to pace things no. out. Yeah, I was I was impressed. Yeah, and to give you an idea of how many people showed up early, we got there at nine. Mm-hmm. And the shop opened at ten. And we were the last two people to make it into the shop for the first group of people they let in. Wow. That's, I mean, so. I, I've tried to go to shops in the morning before. Like, I think one of the first co- free comic book days in that I was here in New York for, I tried to go to Midtown Comics. And there was still a humongous line, like, in, in Midtown. Because, I mean, it's Midtown. But, like, holy smokes, that's that sounds serious. I mean, it's good. It's It's good. It's proof that, like comics aren't dying like i don't know who the fuck ever would say that comic books are doing poorly i mean with free comic book day plus the massive success of the avengers plus um i mean even just the re- the numbers that were released by comicron and icv2 very recently i don't know if you guys saw that like comic books are doing pretty fucking good and, and whoever thinks otherwise is a moron straight up i i just i just want to put that out there because I don't fucking understand that mentality of people. Oh, comic books are getting worse. Comic books aren't selling. It's like you're a fucking idiot if you think that. Period. That's th- that's okay. People have thought that print media was dying since the Gutenberg press was invented. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's I mean, a very Kate specific joke to yep. make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. When I went into uh, what I do for work, which is print books, mm-hmm. I got a lot of. Uh, Isn't that industry dying? Mm, no. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting to look at it that way. I mean, yes, this is, you could say, this is free comic book day. Anyone who sees the word free is going to come flocking. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're going to get a free comic book, that's awesome. Um, if you did free book day, people would show up for free book day, too. So, I, I want to say, like, yes, let's let's not forget that it is free comic book day. But that being said, I mean, when you guys were in the shop, I know, at least in my experience, folks are usually buying stuff on top of getting free comics. It's oh, not yeah. everybody, but you're definitely seeing people come in and making purchases i, I wonder mm-hmm. what's the same true for you guys oh yeah I, I mean at least brian and i each spent 30 bucks on top of our free comic books i mean because we hadn't been to the shop in three weeks but and then sure, i sure. was looking for like i said uh, firefly and some other things i couldn't find um mostly because i didn't want to stick around <laughs> take up room but um, yeah, I mean, I know that I spent a lot of money. There were um, people around me that were holding, um, they've got games there too, or other books, um, mm-hmm. dice. Mm-hmm. Um, they sell a lot of things. So even like. And we watched one guy with a stack of trade paperbacks. Yeah. Check out. No way. I think it was kind of ingenious how they set it up too, because by funneling us all past their wall of single issues, it gives you a chance to like slowly walk past all of them and see if anything looks cool. Oh, of course, of course. Because normally I just kind of hoof it right past those to get back to the new releases on the back wall. But in this case, I had to actually like stop and look and think like, well, was there something that came out that I might have missed? And that's where I actually spotted that TIE Fighter book that I enjoyed so much. Very nice. And then I almost picked up two or three more Star Wars number one (laughs) (laughs) miniseries things. Oh, that's cool. I mean, it's it's proof. I mean, Free Comic Book Day, I think, does... A lot of good, despite, you know, just getting freeloaders in that want comic books. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that, right? Because I think a lot of free comic book day is like, get people in the shop, let them know where their shop is. And on top of that, get kids in the shop, because a lot of the times it's like younger audience that's coming in to get a free comic, to get a free Spider-Man or a free Lumberjanes or something like that. Well, honestly, I don't think that anybody who's not invested in comics is coming out to free comic book day. 
Like I, yeah. I, I can't imagine anybody who's going to stand in line outside of something that they of a building for something that they don't already care about. Right. Right. Or they just came off of the high of fucking Avengers Endgame yeah. and they're like, which can I pick up next? Right. Yeah. When I was first getting back into comics, free comic book day stuff that was like still hanging around. I, I must not have been too long after free comic book day, but I've picked up some things that the comic shop still had from that, or I found them online from years previously. And it, mm-hmm. and it gave me some material to start with. Even, even after free comic book day was over, um, to read and decide if I wanted to look more into those characters or that publisher or that type of comic. Right. So even like not even on the specific day, I think the free comic book day is really helpful just as a marketing, um, from a marketing standpoint. Yeah. I mean, an image does that really interesting thing. Kelly and I, when we were walking around Forbidden Planet, because we still walked in and looked around because I was trying to find a volume of this new manga that I've been looking into called the Witch Hat, Al- Witch Hat Altarier or something. Yeah. And... Because I'm a huge fucking nerd, yep. and it looks like a really cute book. It is. But uh, we were walking around, and one of the things that Kelly noticed, she goes, "Oh, look at all these image comics for a dollar. Is that something that's part of Free Comic Book Day?" And I was like, "Well, it's not, but it, that's like a thing. That's a really good marketing tool for a lot of these publishers, like especially smaller publishers, to be like, hey, for a buck, you can get in on this first issue. It's not a first printing. It's not a yada yada, but it's it's." the first issue and you can get in and if you went into that here's the next volume for 10 bucks or 15 bucks or whatever and a lot of comic book shops that i see that do their their layouts really well is they'll have the trades right next to those number ones like i know vault has them all at like a in like a corner near the new releases mm-hmm. but um it's still like a really good way for people to go oh i don't know anything i don't i don't know what these new releases are and then they turn around and they see those one dollar issues and like oh i could try this i've heard of saga or lumberjanes or something those are my always go-to's because i think those are the bigger (laughs) the bigger sellers but um yeah i mean so on top of being like you know entry points for these free comic book things like did you guys i mean you're pretty well-established readers did you actually sit down to read any of the books that you grabbed on free comic book day i did i read all all six that brian and i got together there was a limit of three per person at vault of midnight i know that um kate zander and paul went to a different comic book shop in the city tardies and they had a limit Mm -hmm. of five so it seems to be popular enough um just across the board with different shops that they have to limit how many people can take otherwise they'll run out which i know that has happened obviously yeah that's your experience yeah. <laughs> i mean that's the thing like in new york it runs i mean i've i've also like gone out at free comic book day in grand rapids and like you go at four o'clock and they're not going to have any free comic books left for the most part but um yeah i mean it's yeah but anyways what what, what did you think I of the books that you loved read? most of them i realized um after the first two that it seems like publishers are really there, there are more publishers in on this than there used to be, first of all. And then they're kind of using them um, as samplers. Um, probably four of the six that I read had two or three um, very short stories um, that represented yeah. or, or came from um, different series that were ongoing from those publishers. So um, on one hand, I felt like that's Again, that's a really good marketing gimmick, um, and you get a little bit more. Maybe it's maybe it's it's an exclusive story for a series that you're already reading, or at least you're not totally lost what's going on if it's something that you're not reading. 
But there was only a few contained short stories that just had the whole issue dedicated to that one story. And I kind of miss that a little bit. I wish that there was a little bit more of that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, getting into what I read, I I did read the Witch Hat Atelier um, uh, free comic book that they had. And that was one of the ones Mm -hmm. that there were Mm -hmm. two more stories in the issue. Um, There was also Cardcaptor Secura and Magus of the Library. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love I love Card Capture Secura as like a comic book oh, like man. in general. It's so I goofy. I used to I used to watch the anime when okay, I was a kid. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. I, I did I was gonna say that it sounded familiar, so I guess that must be why. I, I guess looking at this a little bit more, I guess this is a collector's edition or it's from a collector's edition. So it did kinda it did kinda seem okay. like the very beginning of the story where the girl she picks up a, a book and this guardian pops out of the cover and explains mm-hmm. the magic it's of like the a, universe. It's like a like a little beanie yeah. baby with wings, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's super cute. I mean, like it's it's a shoujo manga, so it's not yeah. like what you would expect when you're thinking of like typical manga that gets published in the United States. At least like the big popular stuff, your Naruto's and you know Bleach and stuff like that. Um, which I think is nice. I'm glad that Kadansha was putting out a book that had or putting out a sampler that had some shoujo in it because I don't think that that gets enough yeah. uh, press. Um, and then the Magus of the Library seemed neat, um, I guess. It, I feel like there wasn't enough of it in in the issue for me to really know if, if I'd like this particular story. Um, basically, it, mm-hmm. it shows this kid running toward a ship. He's going to join the pirates, and then this guy pulls him back. And then you switch, like the scenery switches, and it's a guy in a library um, like picking up a kid by the scruff of his neck and the kid's holding onto a book so and it's like it says something about the one public library in the city and he's not supposed to be there so it seems intriguing i like the idea of showing what this kid is reading and showing him in that that setting but i don't feel drawn to read more of this for some reason as opposed to gotcha. which had atelier, which I've saved the best for last. I loved this. Um, uh, it's kind of got mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. Uh, Studio Ghibli art style, um, and I don't even—I couldn't even tell you what makes it different than the other two um, samplers in this issue. But I think that it's just adorable. The use of the detail lines and the grayscale just really lends some depth to this otherwise—I mean, pretty simple art style. It's a manga. Um, and the uh, facial hey, you're, exp- not, you're not giving that book enough credit. That book is fucking gorgeous, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and just the 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 body language and the facial expressions are really informative um, of what the characters are feeling. Mm-hmm. And this little sampler showed you again, kind of like the beginning of how the magic works in this world. This girl um, doesn't have magic genetically, but she finds that if you use runes of some kind out of this book you can kind of control magic that way and she's not like no one is supposed to know this so this Mm -hmm. really awful thing happens within the first you know however many pages this was six pages maybe and then it ends on i have to erase your memory (gasps) gas so yeah (laughs) so i i saw this this trade was um already bound and available at Vault of Midnight, and I almost grabbed it because it was so beautiful um, with, before I even read it mm-hmm. versus the other two haven't come out yet. 
So right. I also got a little bit of got a little bit of manga in my free comic book day. I picked up the the uh, Viz Media free comic book that was out. Mm-hmm. I only read the first half of it, which was the My Hero Academia mm-hmm. short. I was a little bummed out. I was kind of hoping it was going to be something I hadn't seen before, but it turned out to just be part of the fight between yeah. Deku and Bakugo from the beginning of like the dorm part of My Hero Academia. So it's, I don't know, like if, if you haven't read it before, I'm sure that that's like a fun, it's a very, it's going to be a very like action-packed, exciting thing to try and hook new readers with. So I, I do think it oh, succeeded totally. on that front. But as somebody who's already like read past a lot of stuff, I was, you know, kind of excited to get the free comic book day thing and then kind of disappointed to realize that I had already read it. I think this goes back to what, what Kate was saying, or maybe both of you were saying, like, this is here to, like, hook new readers. It's definitely, I think the, specifically the Kadansha and the Viz ones are really like, hey, it's free comic book day, and you're here for, you know, Iron Man and Batman, but guess what? There's actually a lot of other stuff you can get, and I I think that they do a really good job of picking the right bits of stories. I mean, because I've read some of those free comic book days from, uh, issues from them in the past because you can get them free digitally i think on like wednesday from comiXology and uh i I have always felt like they do a good job of trying to sell you on the most interesting semi-recent storyline to say like hey if you pick up the next volume you'll get to you know finish this story or pick up this volume to finish this story um and i've always really liked that like the i mean i want i just want more people to read my hero academia so i hope that sold somebody on that book yeah, I'd be interested to hear what you think of the second half of that issue, Brian. It was um, the Promised Neverland, and I—oh, that's supposed to be really good. Yeah, I know the I know the like synopsis of that book. Like, I know roughly what it's about, but I haven't actually read any of it yet. Yeah, it it's about these kids at an orphanage that are all kind of like one big happy family, but then you see them taking these these quote unquote, like quote unquote school tests. And it's almost like they're trying to break codes or something. Like, of course, they don't know what they're doing, mm-hmm. but it seems like there's some kind of like spy network or something. And they're never supposed to like leave the gate or cross the fence or anything like that. Yeah, there's there's like ghosts and stuff involved somehow, from what I understand. Again, I haven't actually read it myself. I just follow a handful of manga and anime networks on YouTube that have talked about it a little bit well i'm intrigued (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've heard that that's that's like one of the top series people that i know that read manga regularly like they they're like if you're reading weekly shonen jump like that's the one to get into because it's it's becoming very very popular supposedly in japan um what what else though what else did you guys get outside of the the manga side of things did you read anything else that was interesting um, there was a Boom Studios free comic book, and it included a short story from Firefly. It was called Boss Moon, um, Birth of a Unificator. <laughs> okay. And in Firefly, you have the Unificators and the um, the brown coats. Um, is how I know them. And our heroes of Firefly are Mal and Zoe, who fought in the the war of unification on the brown coat side and they're very self-sufficient and like badass people <laughs> that know how to fight but they mostly just want to take care of their people and then you get this boss moon woman who is self-sufficient and knows how to fight and just wants to take care of her people but she's on the other side so i know enough of firefly that that was immediately intriguing to me 
and led me to look up when the when the trade was coming out, which is when I realized I missed it um, gotcha. because I need to catch up to the story so that I can see if this person enters the story soon or has already entered the story. I just need more of this. Um, and then the other part of this issue was um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer Frenemies short story where Buffy goes into Anya's possibly dark magic shop looking for a particular piece of jewelry to help somebody, which is how I decided. I would say definitely dark magic shop. I don't know, shop. because <laughs> she's kind of a morally gray character. She sells to both sides. Um I mean, yeah, she sells to both sides, but yeah, I think it's probably there's body dark parts magic and there's <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a dark magic shop. Yeah, to me. Like. Um, so Buffy gets what she needs, and she has this interaction with Anya, who she's never met in this in this timeline or storyline, whatever this new mm-hmm. Boom Studios version is. Yeah, um, in this version, and they have this this kind of quaint. Um, interaction where you know she's like i'm the slayer and anya's like oh okay um, <laughs> and then after buffy leaves this is all from anya's perspective so we see angel come in who we know from the original buffy show and his own show so that kind of speaks into angel's introduction into the series gotcha so that was that was really interesting and then there's a preview of buffy number one but i read that already boom's pushing that uh that firefly and buffy stuff now that they have the rights to that then right oh yeah i think gotcha. that this is gonna be at least yeah i think it's gonna be really big for them yeah at least for me <laughs> i'm buying all of it so <laughs> yeah it's just like they've got you i think uh <laughs> Well, yeah. I, I mean, did you guys pick up any of the big two free comic book day stuff? I got one of the Spider-Man ones. I got the Wait. Spider-Man one. Oh, I was gonna say. I was like, was there multiple Spider-Man free comic book day issues? No, but like as as the trend has been, there were multiple stories in the one thing. The okay. first half of it is about the all the symbiote nonsense that's been going on in the uh, Spider-Man world lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really follow that. Because I haven't been, you know, keeping up on any of that other than reading the first volume of Donny Cates' Venom, which is really good. Gotcha. And I'll, I'm, you know, I should probably, the second trade's got to be out by now, so I should probably check that out. But I wasn't totally sure what was happening the whole time. It was, it was cool. It was fun. But, like, I didn't really get it. The second half was, was much better. That was uh, Miles and Peter. It looks like they're having like a fight at the beginning, and then it turns out that what they're actually fighting about is whether Queens or Brooklyn has the better pizza. <laughs> and then like okay, <laughs> they they have a they have a brief altercation with Shocker, mm-hmm. um, and his stupid quilted jumpsuit thing. Um, it's for insulation, in- Brian. <laughs> <laughs> In, in their fight, they talk about it, and his take is that, I think I think he was saying that the Bronx has the best pizza, and they're both like, well, he has been hit on the head a lot lately, so. <laughs> See, now I feel like I gotta, I gotta go to all three boroughs, and I gotta try pizza that's like the best in that neighborhood. Yeah. Oh, shucks, I gotta eat pizza in New York. Um, At the end, they, <laughs> they, they, what they sort of settle on is that, like, Peter's like, you know, this is really good pizza when they're eating at the one in Brooklyn, but it doesn't remind me of, you know, when I was 12 years old getting pizza with Ant-Man Uncle Ben, and Mm -hmm. I think, like, it's excellent pizza that doesn't taste like home to me, whereas it does for you, and maybe that's the point. 
I thought that was I thought that was kind of a sweet endpoint. You know, it's yeah, yeah. Plus, it's always fun to see Miles and Peter interact. I think in a comic. Yeah, for sure. They're the the quipper and his protege. <laughs> right, right. Anything else that you guys grabbed that you liked? Uh, yeah, I well, Brian actually grabbed the Stranger Things slash Black Hammer free comic book today, or yesterday, free comic book day. <laughs> <laughs> what day is it um it's a big weekend it's okay i enjoyed it it was nancy and steve trying to decide how to help um mike after 11 disappears from um we know this from the show mm-hmm. on netflix and i so the art style was kind of weird um it was kind of dark and steve's hair didn't look nearly as good as it does in the show uh, i honestly God, didn't realize that was steve because he yeah. didn't look fabulous enough he's it's gotta be steve right it, it is it's not, it definitely is steve but so it didn't look like a loving mother is what you're saying yeah, yeah you didn't look like like newly minted mother of four steve harrington yeah he was like first episode steve not not great but um, he was still kind of a butthead yeah. oh right oh so this is butthead steve gotcha yeah because this this is set like a month after the first season so the the issue was pretty much um steve saying hey you should um have your brother do something that he enjoys he doesn't like sports does he and she was like oh i have the the perfect idea so she goes and talks to mike with steve right there and he's like you should start a game and steve's like wait you do play sports of course they're talking about a dnd game oh boy so so it ends with Mike dumping his dice onto the table, and it was very sweet. I thought Bryson. it was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see, Brian. We're we're two in the shit in co- as far as D and D is concerned. Well, and like I read it, and I was like, okay, cool. So nothing happened in this. Like there was no uh, reading. This did not give me any kind of story. It was just like, oh, Mike, you're sad. Play D and D about it. Roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great for free comic book day because you don't need it to inform the main story, but it was a cute little like brother sister interaction. Yeah, I also like she. There's a throwaway line where she mentions him like getting her to dress up in an elf costume for one of his games, and it's like Mm -hmm. that doesn't sound like Nancy. Right. Well, but I think okay, we're gonna do some deep analysis on Stranger Things really quick. In my mind, you know, it's that thing where you're like, when I'm 11, I'm like into this stuff. But then like when Nancy hits like 13, 14, 15, she's too old. for She doesn't want to play these baby games of D&D anymore. So she doesn't dress up anymore. Because I'm guessing that like what the age difference between Mike and, and Nancy is what, like four years maybe? So when they were younger, like Mike was like seven and she's 11 and they're playing D&D together, which to me is like... That's so cool, right? But at the same time, like as she got older, she's like, "Well, I'm not into that stuff." Because they all they mentioned that in the show. Or are you talking about from the show? No, I'm talking about from the free comic book. Okay, because I think they also mentioned that in the show as like she did that when she was younger, and she's too cool for that now. And I I took that as like a they used to have this bond, which is why Nancy like kind of lets Mike do his own thing and doesn't make fun of him for it because she used to do that too. Um, but I mean, hey, that's just that's just me. Stranger Things is stupid. I hate it now. So uh, what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Because I've gotten bad older. About it is the, the next season's not out yet. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, 
Well, it's interesting to see that you guys had different opinions on that because I think the Stranger Thing comic is kind of a big deal in a lot of ways, right? Like that comic coming out, I think, is a because that's from Titan, I'm guessing, right? Ah, Jesus. It must be. I'm pretty sure that's who's publishing that comic. So it's interesting that they didn't try to roll with like a Doctor Who comic and instead they rolled with just a full Stranger Things comic. There there was a Doctor Who comic. Oh, okay. Okay. Which I did also want to get, but we had a limit, so... Right, right. Um, and I didn't, read the, I didn't Black, read the Black Hammer one, because it was, I don't care for Black Hammer. <gasps> Brian, you are fired from this podcast forever now. <laughs> Null and bull. <laughs> Aww. Um, I, I had mixed feelings about it. The first... Like, it was already a short story, and the first half of it was Lady Dragonfly, or whatever her name was, wandering around her cabin, talking about how all of her doors go different places and how you can find anything that you need here, but be mm-hmm. careful. And so it's just her talking to herself. And then she opens a door and something crazy happens and she shuts the door. She opens another door. And then this like ghost superhero floats out and yeah. he's like, I've been dead for centuries. And then you see her open another door or there's a flashback or something Oh, no, wait. He finds the cover of a comic book, and Mm -hmm. he's on it. And he's like, this was from the 1980s. This isn't that old. I think that this is me. Can you help me figure out where I'm from? And so that's how it ends. And I'm not following the main Black Hammer storyline, but I'm wondering if this introduces a new character, kind of like the Firefly one did. Mm, Interesting. this, This isn't like a guy in a spacesuit, right? It's not in a spacesuit. Okay. I know that. I just character. want to make sure it's not Colonel Weird because that's like a whole. That's a character who kind of floats around yeah. and does some weird stuff in that book. Um, no, he kind of looks like. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I. I don't know who he looks like, but that's all right. <laughs> that's okay. He's some kind of like flying teenage superhero. Okay. Okay. So that that must be new stuff. Oh my goodness! Why I need to go find this book? God damn it! Oh wait, Stranger Things is published by Titan, not Titan. I Dark Horse. Sorry, I said Titan earlier. That's my bad. That would explain why Black Hammer was also in that issue. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I also read, um, and unless you have more commentary about Stranger Things, which no, I will. I will not. About. I won't okay. because that's a whole other topic. We could do a whole Stranger Things episode yeah. where I just get mad at the fact that they play D and D and they don't play enough D um, and D. They play it wrong. <laughs> yeah, and they play it wrong. Yeah. It's from the original D and D. I know. I, I know. know no, it's, from, it's from it's from AD and D. We're not getting into it. Yeah, like, okay. don't get us started because I think that it might be too much for one episode. Um, so I also read Kino's Journey from Vertical Comics, and this was thankfully just the one story in the mm-hmm. book. There weren't multiple, which is pretty nice, um, nice change. And uh, basically, this kid is just traveling across, presumably Japan, with his talking motorcycle. Okay. And they find an old railroad track, and they start um, going along it, and they come to this old man who's cleaning the tracks and he's like oh i've been out here for 50 years i left my new wife and baby and still send them money to this day i do hope that they're doing well and it's like oh well that's really sad and upsetting and then the kid keeps going along and he the next guy he comes to is ripping up the tracks he's like oh i've been doing this for 50 years i haven't seen my five brothers i hope they're doing well what <laughs> and then the next guy he comes to is taking the old tracks that the last guy ripped up and set us on along the side of the road and he's putting them back down 
And of course, he has a very similar story. And then the issue ends with the motorcycle going, why are we traveling? Where are we going? And the kid going, I don't know. I just didn't want to be where I was before. And that's it. That's okay. the whole story. Okay. And that's enough of that story for me because <laughs> I need to read some giant days or something to remember that life can be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very sad. And I can't wait until you read this giant days. Okay. Oh, no, wait, Brian, stop. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, okay, it's, it sounds to me like you guys had a pretty pretty fruitful free comic book day. I mean... Holy smokes. This is, I mean, this is a lot of comics that you got for free. That's pretty dope. Yeah, between the two of us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, even just three of the issues, is that's a lot of stuff to, that you, you were able to read. So I, I'm glad you guys were able to go out and do that. And it's really interesting to see how publishers are using Free Comic Book Day now. Like, mm-hmm. either having having a one-shot or it being a sampler of something that already exists or it informing an, an existing story, like... It's just really interesting to see how many people are doing it and how they're doing it differently. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, yeah, I guess I, I don't, I really wish that I could pick some of these up, but I guess I'm going to have to try out this, the Kadansha one, because I really want to check out this Magus of the Library. That, for some reason, sounds really interesting to me. Um, and it's good to know I can skip on the My Hero Academia thing. I'm fine with that. Yeah, it's uh, just, it was pretty boring. I didn't like yeah. it. <laughs> That's all right. Because it's, it's right. just, <laughs> just a, a fight scene with no context. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm curious to know. I mean, I'll have to read it, I guess. I'll, I'll still check it out because it's free. But um, it starts, like, I'm curious to know how they... ass whooping. <laughs> right, yeah. I was going to say, that fight's pretty long in the volume, so or at least in the, in the chapters. So I'd be curious to know how they, like contextualize any of it and if they don't then that's that's really funny they don't at Um, all it starts when they're already fighting and it ends before like the big resolution at the end of that (laughs) there's even like a couple of lines of conversation in it that it's clearly mid-conversation and it it's supposed to be touching like it's supposed to be like oh i thought that you looked down on me no you're just the tough guy you're scary and oh yeah that's it. It's the, the the funny thing about that is like hearing you say that I'm like oh I know what that's all about because in four chapters that whole thing gets resol- resolved. Yeah. <laughs> but like, <laughs> oh man, that's funny. I I'm actually surprised they didn't like try to include something like Endeavor's fight, which takes place later, much later in the series. But it's like a standalone fight where this guy, the second best hero has to fight this monster that was supposedly like a jacked up version of these super powerful monsters that turned out to be just baby monsters. I mean, because it's power fucking everything. But Endeavor's fight with this monster is actually a really good short eight-page fight. I'm surprised they didn't use that. I mean, I know it's far along yeah, the series. Yeah, that's probably about spoilers a good... at that point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess the, the reason why that fight happens is is very spoilery for like a big moment in the series. But yeah, that's interesting. Um but I guess, yeah, did you guys have any other final thoughts about Free Comic Book Day? Were there, like, some comics that you wish you could have grabbed, but you couldn't? Oh, yeah. I had the the um, Doctor Who comic, which is the 13th Doctor, and mm-hmm. I think that, that that first volume is actually coming out soon, so I feel like I can, I can um, read that, and um, I haven't been following the issues, and I didn't grab the free comic book, so that volume is going to be my first um, foray into the comic book version of this character. But I wish gotcha. that I could have gotten the free comic. Um, and then there was also a book called The Dark Ages Afterburn. Okay. Um, 
And it, the way that the description was written, it sounds like Afterburn might be an existing comic, and then the Dark Age story was a side story that they released for this event. Um, but I don't know anything about Afterburn. Um, I'm not familiar with the story at all, but the premise was that there was a sun flare that knocked out all of technology and caused a, um, you know, society to fail and crumble, et cetera. And our inevitable future system. What? Our inevitable, our inevitable future. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that happened. And now they've gone back to the fetal system and people are walking around with swords and such is what Mm -hmm. it seems like. And I'm super into that kind of story. Um, actually back when I read some fan fiction in middle school or high school, I read an original story on a fan fiction website that started this exact way. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need more of this immediately. And here I am 15 years later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Dystopian novels are a thing. And yeah. there's this exact story in comic book form that I couldn't get. So I didn't even nope. see it in my shop. That would have been what I'd gotten instead of, uh, um, Kino's journey, but I couldn't find it. Gotcha. Um, what about you, how Brian? Many, how many free comic books were there available? 50 oh, there was like three? 53. I, I mean, I looked it up before we started recording. It was like 53 titles. And I mean, depending on your shop determines like what books they ordered, right? So if you're a big two shop, you probably didn't get like the Kadansha and like the smaller publisher stuff. But I mean, Vaults, they're a pretty open shop when it comes to stuff in general. So I wouldn't be surprised if they had at least one copy of every issue. Yeah, I probably just couldn't see it because there were so many. <laughs> gotcha. What about you, Brian? Were there any that you missed? Did you see the DC one? Because I, I realize you only picked up the Spider-Man one, but was there a DC free comic book day one that looked interesting? Or was it just like Batman being sad? Uh, I didn't comic? really look for it. Uh, I didn't prep for this event like Kate did. I just sort of walked in there and went like, oh, that looks cool. Oh, I like this franchise. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Well, cool. I mean, it's it again. Sounds like a very successful free comic book day for you guys. I'm glad you got to go and actually get some comics. Um, unlike me, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then we we got out, we got out of there at like 10:30 in the morning, so we got to go home and oh, nice. enjoy the first like warm, sunny weekend that Michigan has had in what feels mm-hmm. like nine years. <laughs> yeah, stayed inside and read read comic books. Yeah, gotcha. we opened the windows. Um, oh. <laughs> Yeah, we let our cat out on our enclosed patio. He was very happy. Very cool. <laughs> on the dirtiest patch, cool. we'll probably roll around in it. So yep. that's neat. <laughs> Wonderful. I mean, that them's cats for you. Them's cats. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> uh, so <laughs> let's let's wrap this episode up. I realize we've got a bunch of other stuff that we're going to throw into this episode. So get ready for that, folks. Uh, thank you guys for listening, Brian. Thank and Kate. Thank you guys for going out to Free Comic Book Day and getting stuff. Um, so that we could talk about it today because I was really kind of like stressing out before we start, like before we uh, got into recording. I was like, shit, I just didn't have a chance. I just poorly planned this year. I'm going to try to read some of that stuff on Wednesday when it comes out or whenever it's out on Comixology, just because I, I do find some of that stuff interesting. And I want to look at that, that witch, the, the witch hat book that looks, it's so good. Anyways. You can, you can follow us all on the internet. You can follow Brian at BrianHead on Twitter. You can follow Kate at Kate L. Fear, And you can follow me at Mike Rappin. You can follow the show at IRCB Podcast, where I try to post as much cool stuff as I find on the internet. I retweet like Kickstarters and other things that I think are interesting um, from creators that I find are not maybe as represented as some of the bigger names out there. So go follow the show if you haven't already. Um, I try to post some really cool stuff there. We also have our Goodreads group on goodreads.com where we post, among other things, our weekly threads, 
Our most recent one was all about comic book sales and deals. You can find us at our website, ircvpodcast.com, where we have a pronunciation guide and a merch store. You can pick up copies of our zine there. Uh, Please rate and subscribe to our show on the podcatcher of your choice and tell your friends about it. You know, word of mouth is a great way to spread awesome content like ours. If you haven't rated us yet, why not? What are you waiting for? Get out there and do us a solid. Yeah, we're on episode 200. We should have 200 reviews on iTunes. At least that's how that math's out in my head. <laughs> um, you can email the show with comments, qu- questions, jokes, concerns, etc. Um, at ircb at destroyedthesibe.org. And you can dis- subscribe on Patreon at patreon.com slash ircbpodcast for ex- exclusive shows and episodes, semi-regular articles, top-of-my-pile posts, and more. Infinity Shred does all the music for our show. They're the best band in the universe. We love them. You can check out their music at infinityshred.com. Xander is just a very cool guy who hangs out and has just the best smile in the world. If you ever see Xander in real life, ask him to smile. Make him smile. (laughs) He also edits the show. Um, He's a fantastic dude. I want to say thank you to (laughs) Kate and Brian for being on the show this week. Thank you to everyone who reaches out to us and is just fantastic to us in general on the internet. You guys are, I just love you so much, especially you, Joe. You're just so mean, and I, I just lap it up every week, so thank you. And until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Okay. Uh, I I never write anything down for the Xander part, and then I just improvise it. Uh, I like it. It gives me pure joy. Got really aggressive for a second there. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs>